Yeah, uh Here we go, here we go, it's the Web3 show Before you know, it will be Web4 Then Web5, Web6, Web7 But now it's Web3, so let's all go to heaven On a podcast, yeah, this ish is the best Learn and laugh with Travis and listen to Chris Donna lives in the house with Sophia and Nova Talking about AI to help you get over Yeah, like I said, it's the Web3 show Now you know what you're getting, so let's freaking go all right, welcome to Web3 Show. Today, Travis, we've got uh, my good friend Larry Namer, who is the founder of E Entertainment Network and a, and a lot of other things. We're going to find out. E Entertainment Network? He, what? This guy's responsible for the Kardashians? Well, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Oh, man. <laughs> but um, but the, uh, the, the interesting thing is, you know, he's been on the forefront of, of what we would call Web1, Web2, Web3 before there was even the web. Yeah. So, well, Larry, welcome to the show. Let's talk a little bit about where we're sitting here at the New York Stock Exchange. You used to work in a restaurant, we found out yesterday, like somewhere right around the street. And uh, But you have a really interesting story that started in your network days of laying cable. And, and tell us a little bit about that as we kind of... Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't even my network days. When I got out of college with my economics degree, I couldn't find a job. So I took what I thought was going to be a you know temporary thing um, for a cable company before anybody knew what cable was. And actually in this area, I was laying the cable underground. So literally every day I would work in the sewers. Oh my God! Yeah, we walked by one of the uh, vents uh, on the way in, and the steam was coming out, and it didn't smell so good. I was like, and he was having flashbacks. Right. right? Well, he went from he went from the sewers of New York to the sewers of Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, yeah, a lot of interesting mem memories from down here because this was actually they were just up to wiring everything below Twenty Third Street. Mm. So I got the. Pull the cables and know every underground passage wow. in the area. So that's the, back in the day when they were bringing in cable TV, huh? Yeah, back in the 70s when nobody knew what cable was. So like it's coming. You're gonna love it. This TV thing's gonna be yeah. huge. I think that's you know. So the interesting thing is um, we're gonna get into kind of what he sees as the future of, of entertainment and how Web3 and all these things converge. But you know the backstory here is so then you went into network television what was the road from like laying the cable and doing <laughs> that into kind of founding e entertainment well i i worked for a company called sterling manhattan and they got bought by time incorporated when time was a publishing company mm. and they made this decision to kind of over 10 years move from being publishing to being media okay. and um you know so here they bought manhattan cable and i i think i was not just the only person with a a college degree, but I think I was probably the only one with a high school diploma. <laughs> so you had all these Harvard and Yaleys trying to figure out what it is these guys do when they go underground every day. And um, somebody in HR said, wait a second, there's a guy with an economics degree that knows that. So I kind of became the interface okay. there. And it was a great place to, you know, to, to learn uh, the business world. And, you know, we started uh, as part of what was called the video group. I think there were like five of us. And, you know, we started things like HBO and Urban Cable. And I kind of rose um, to end up being the head of operations in Manhattan. So I had service and installation, construction, all those things reporting to me. Mm. Um, I think I was 25 and I had like 300 and some odd people wow. reporting to me, all of which were older, which was an interesting dynamic. You had to be pinching yourself. You're like, man, dude, I was just under the streets out there and here I am. Like... I'm in, I'm in the eye of the storm now. Yeah, you know, a lot of people that I worked for were now working for me. So it was an odd dynamic there. So it was interesting times. 
But then the big cities started franchising cable. Oh, yeah. And they all wanted the cable not to go on telephone poles, but underground. And it, there was only one underground system built in the, this, in so the this U.S. this is the first. This was the this first, was the first underground, underground. And I was the head. Wow. So somebody, a Canadian company, won the franchise for the city of Los Angeles, and they wanted it underground. And um, so they started recruiting me. And I was like, you know, look, guys, I'm in New York. I'm not going to California. It's like voodoo. <laughs> and, um, you know, the head of the chairman of the company said, well, come out, let me talk to you for an hour. I said, I'm not sure about that. He goes, you got a girlfriend? I went, yeah. He goes, okay, first class tickets for you and your girlfriend, Beverly Hills Hotel. I want an hour of your time. Okay. I said, okay, great. <laughs> so I, I flew out there, and I was just like rude as hell. I'm going, okay, your hour starts now. And I'm going, <laughs> you got a minute left. You got 20 seconds left. And he goes, he goes, okay, what would it take for you to move? And I just named like four times what I was making in New York. And I said, yeah, and I want Liberace's house. I want a cell phone in my car. And there were no cell phones. It was like those big. Yeah, the bricks. Yeah. yeah I want Farrah Fawcett to come over. And, and he said, what you're asking for is ridiculous. It's outrageous. I went, exactly. Bye. I'm going home. Right. So I came back and it was, you know. Um, it was the winter, and New York is beautiful on the first day of the snow, but the second day it's all black. Yeah. So I'm walking to the office, and a cab goes by and splashes me with like black goop all over. And you're like California. Doesn't sound I get so to the bad. office and go, "What did I do?" You know. And then I get to the office, and goes, "Oh, that guy called again." You know, because he kept calling me. Yeah, yeah. So I get on the phone. He goes, "All right, what you asked for is absurd, but how fast can you be here?" And I went, okay, now I got my foot in my mouth. So I said, you know what? I don't want to be cold anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so literally, I, I moved out there and... Um, you moved into Liberace's house. <laughs> I did. Like, really? And you know, when you did it. Yeah, he yeah. <laughs> They rented Liberace's house. I mean, I just held the... You know, because at first he offered me twice what I was making. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I wasn't negotiating. You asked what it would take. I told you what it would take. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, but, you know, you're a Brooklyn kid. You get out to California. Everybody you know is in the entertainment business. Right. So, you know, I had 61. I built the first 61-channel cable system ever built in the U.S. Wow. And um, it was, um, there were no 61 channels around. You know, it was just at the start of CNN and MTV and all of that. This is probably early 80s then, right? Yeah, 81. 81. And um, so I just got character generators, and I put the, the school lunch channel, the library channel, the city government channel, the lost pet channel, which I almost had to divide the lost dog and cat. Um, and, you know, I, I called up the studios and said, hey, guys, you know, how do I get on the list for all those parties and movie premieres and stuff? They went... You're in the utility business. No, you can't. We're not putting on the list. You're like, oh, really? I said, okay. The, the best part of a movie is like the movie trailer. And the only time I ever see it is when I'm in the movies itself. I said, don't you want to show me those in my house? Do I want to go to the movies? And they went, yeah, we can't afford, you know, to buy two minutes of advertising. I said, tell you what. You send me those. I'll put them on TV. You put me on the list. So when we started doing, and we started this thing, I hired a kid for like $3 an hour, he edited them together. And when we did um, 
surveys, people go, oh, I love CNN, I love MTV, I love that trailer channel. I don't even think we gave it a name. <laughs> so then I went, wait a second, trailer channel. I said, I get the best part of a $50 million movie, then 50 was a lot, and uh, people love it. Boing, you know. But then the company that I worked for sold out, they went back to Canada, and they wanted me to go to Toronto. I said, no, 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 I didn't go from New York to L.A. to go to Toronto. Um, so a friend of mine and I, you know, we were just kicking around saying, let's come up with an idea to do in, you know, California. And um, uh, I went, you know, he goes, I always wanted to do like MTV in the movies. I went, wait a second. I said, here you have, you know, MTV, you know, going in, Madonna has a new video, you know, he points to a green screen. I go, we can do the same thing and go, and Schwarzenegger has a new movie. And, <laughs> And, you know, light went off. But we spent, uh, we wrote a business plan. We thought it was brilliant. Spent three and a half years of people going, eh, nice idea, but you're not Rupert Murdoch. You know, you can't start. Nobody starts a TV channel, you know. And uh, we weren't smart enough to listen. And eventually. <laughs> Maybe a little stubborn in there, Larry. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, we actually were on a plane going to New York. And it was after three and a half years of not raising in 10 cents and we were ready to figure out how we throw the business plan off the plane without killing everybody <laughs> and we met a guy and we he goes tell me what that's all about we tell him he goes it's great i love it he goes when are you doing it we go oh, we got no money he goes go see this guy on wall street um he just took over investment banking and here we are and um so we went and saw this guy. There was a small company called Mabon Nugent. They just moved into investment banking. And we go and the guy's got movie posters on the wall. And Alan and I looked at each other. He goes, no, nah, it can't be. Ah. So we pitched the guy. And he goes, I love it. I'm going to give you money. At that point, it was like somewhere between 60 and 100 million to start a TV network. So I said, listen, you know, we got a lot of stuff we want to do. Could you make it more like the hundred? He goes, Oh no, 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 I'm only allowed to sign for two. I'm like, What am I going to do with two million dollars? It costs sixty to one hundred. He goes, I'm only allowed to sign for two. Alan and I looked at each other and said, You know what? We'll take it. We'll figure it out. So literally, we got two million dollars from from this guy, and I called out a friend teaching radio, television, film in Austin, Texas. I called him up. I said, you got kids who need intern jobs? He goes, yeah, I got a lot. I go, Boom. send them all. Nice. So we literally took apartments in Hollywood. We bought mattresses and <laughs> stuff like that. So people we're gonna really, build. We're going to build a really successful entertainment company, you guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to do it. And you did it. Congratulations, yeah. my man. You know, you know it's interesting, like, the form factor of trailers now, you know, for the last 20 years, is so different than it was, like, in the late 80s, early 90s. If you watch, like, Prime and you, you pick up, like, a movie from the 80s, you watch a trailer, it's just, like, a stream of consciousness from the middle of the movie. It's not, like, put together. Right. And I'm yeah. fundamentally curious, like, you had to have had the, the, the initiative, like, it must have changed or catalyzed the way that people did a 220. Because, like, literally when you yeah. created a network that was featuring these things, they had to make them more entertaining, and they, they clipped them up and they turned them into the trailers that we now take for granted. Yeah, and, and they were, you know, they weren't really send, sending video crews onto sets of movies while they're being made. You know, and I said, guys, this is like basic marketing. Right. You don't, like, start, like, two days before the movie's opening. I said, when you're making the movie, why don't we interview the directors and the people on the set and the special events and build up 
brand awareness of the movie. So when you finally open it, people know what it is. And um, some of the Universal was the first one who really caught on, and they started sending video crews. So for us, it was great. I was getting you know all this programming content right. for nothing. Mm. They were getting free advertising. Right. You know, but then we had great rate. You know, as soon as we went on the air, everybody went, "Oh, why didn't you tell us that's what you wanted to do? We would have given you money three years ago." Mm. So that's what. So basically, the actors will go out and go on that that circuit tour and talk about it. You were you kind of helped invent that. Yeah, we we invented that. And then all the studios caught on. And everybody, you know, became commonplace. Innovator. We got some innovation going on. So here, Chris. you know, I think the you know the context is is really relevant because you know when when Larry and I first uh, met, um, we were talking about this. But then I asked him, you know, well, so what are you what are you doing in the Web three space? Like, what is what's your interest? What are you in, interested here? And I'm not going to take it out of his mouth. I'm going to let you say. It, it. So why why is yeah. this why is sure. this interesting at this point in your career? You know, five decades of kind of compounded success all over the world. You've had networks in China and other places. Um, why, why, why this space? Well, I, for whatever reason, and most people think it's because my mother dropped me on my head when I was one, which she really did. <laughs> I did see a dent. <laughs> and um, I, I've always been really about what's next as opposed to what was. Um, I've been, quote, new media now for 50 <laughs> years. Um, cable, the pay TV, the internet mm -hmm. content, and etc and stuff and the nft world in the metaverse it's inevitable it makes so much sense you know particularly for anybody who's in the creative world yeah. um you know it's an opportunity to stay with the revenue streams you know for things you know not just selling out once and getting waved goodbye to and so i see it as the next big thing um i think there's a lot of education that has to go on but then again when i got into cable you had a Nobody will ever pay for TV, right? You know, and then movies. Nobody's paying for movies, and you know all of that. It's kind of like now, nobody's going to get a wallet. Nobody's going to remember a seed. Nobody's going to have an NFT, and <clears throat> that's the thing that's so wild is that. So personally, with Joe Com, my friend, we we minted over a million and a half NFTs. We were one of the first people to talk about NFTs back in yeah. 2017 and Web3 and stuff. And so it's 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 fascinating. We're like, oh man, it's going to be so like. For one of the big examples that I always have is, dude, I went to this. I went to the 2014 Kansas City Royals playoff game, and my ticket stub is a wadded-up piece of paper that I printed off. My, I'm like, dude, I want an NFT of that. I want to be able to prove it. If I went to this movie, I want to have an NFT. I want to be able to take Seinfeld, chop up Seinfeld. I'll buy the NFT of the soup Nazi, yeah. right? I mean, there's certain things that you can use NFTs that's so exciting around this place. Yeah, I mean, all you got to do is look back. I mean, I love looking back at the history of media and the way things grow. And, you know, People go to Broadway plays and they collect playbills. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm going, uh, doing, you know, hey, it's such a natural again. that there's no question it's coming. I think you, you've had a bunch of bad actors in the space and you've had inflated, you know, the Banksy and those things mm -hmm. are just inflated BS and stuff. But it normalizes. And, you know, particularly in, you know, my world, the media world, People really haven't gotten to understanding the difference. They think crypto is the same as NFTs, is the same as blockchain and stuff like that. So there's so much good stuff going on that people don't know about. So when Chris and I, you know, met in the Philippines at a blockchain convention, you know, and we started talking about doing an awards show, we said, here's an opportunity to educate the world on all the good things happening. This is not a Sam Bankman-Fried 
you know, scam. There's it's a scam, lot. bank man, fraud. That's what it is. <laughs> There's so much good stuff going on, and, and, you know, it's funding so many really, really smart, good projects in literally every sphere. And um, so I, I just said, you know, this is something that has to be done, and I know how to make TV that people actually watch and mm -hmm. stuff. So that's beautiful. Yeah, so you guys are going to be at the Nico Theater yeah. in Las Vegas doing the Nifties in June fourteenth. Very nice. Yep, and it'll be broadcast globally. And um, <coughs> we're taking nominations now, and and anyone in the public can nominate a project against one of the categories of the Nifties. Um, and then there's a the Academy of Digital Art Sciences and Culture, which uh, Larry and I are founding members of, along with another uh, two dozen folks. Um, are actually the kind of governing body that will ultimately pick the shortlist and then pick the nominee that wins. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you'll be there hanging out and, and uh, weighing in on your vote. Too. Yeah, I, so I talked about NFTs, dude. No, you did. I did. No, you did. That's true. Yeah. No, you did. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but even if you did, yeah. But you did. No, we taught a lot of people yeah. about them. Actually, we, we we were talking about them yeah. in December of 2017 because we yeah. saw it. This is going to be so huge. When people understand these digital assets, it's not those cartoons, yeah. those little collectible cartoons and those rug pulls. It's really about, there's, there's 25, 30 different use cases and different industries that these NFTs are going to be popular in. And don't think of them as, oh, they're a, what's a non-fungible token? Most people don't even know what that is. It's a digital asset. Digital ownership is not going away. Look at your kids. They all have a smart device. Everybody's got a phone. Yeah. We're not we're not going anywhere other than more technology. Well, and you know, if you one of the best analogies I like to have, and I think this is what Larry is alluding to, is is just it's a container, right? That is completely programmable, completely ethereal, right? Mm -hmm. it's a, but it's a container, and, and when we standardize containers in any form, we move more product. And Absolutely. the example of that is we used to put stuff on boats in bags and in boxes and we would drive something on and then you had to take it off the same way and then we figured no, out no no they all got stuck in Los Angeles port <laughs> yeah. well no then we figured out then we figured out that you could put a 9 by 45 foot steel container and you could stack them 50 high mm -hmm. and 40 wide and you could move more stuff and you could put coffee beans next to BMWs and NFTs will do that for anything of value right so they're going to wrap essentially a token or container around your ticket stub, around your movie shard, around your next album drop. And these are the early use cases, but it's yeah. everything from receipts to accounts payable to things that <coughs> need to move, chain supply stuff. chain. And you know, one of the best explanations that I've heard on this is from William Quigley, who's the founder of Wax. And he goes, think of NFTs as a smart programmable computer. You can code this thing to do anything you want it to do, and that smart contract is so powerful because you can do so much with it. One of the cool things that I've seen that I want that I want to see happen is the merger of sort of the the, the 3D, the, the regular TV 2D into sort of a 4D. Where and I, and I saw somebody was doing something where you literally take your your phone up to your streaming video, and then you can see that video coming into your phone into this AR experience as it's synced up. Yeah, so it's, this entertainment stuff is so exciting, Larry. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, and that's where you know I fit into that world. Even though I don't fully understand all the technology, I know how to make stuff on a screen that people actually pay attention to. Yeah, so. and you know, in education, he's got a lot of projects too that we that we <coughs> talked about briefly. Holograms, you know, of Einstein teaching you the law of relativity versus you know some boring teacher and. 
democratizing access to you know the to world education. is changing my friends the future is here now yeah. and you get to be part of it it's yeah and i appreciate you giving us all the context and the pattern recognition that only someone like you has where we can really kind of see looking backwards how allows us to really see clearly forward and it's been awesome to have you on the web three show larry thanks for coming i'll have to have you back right have to be here Thank you for listening. Tune in each week to Web3 Show live on FinTech TV each Wednesday. And look for long-form audio podcasts with guests on this audio podcast channel each Monday and Friday. Learn more at web3show.io. And we will see you next time.